Hi everyone, welcome back to Chasing the Light. I'm so happy to have you with us again this week for entry number four. If you hadn't had a chance to listen to entry one through three, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to those entries just to familiarize yourself with my story and the journey that I'm on in the process of a clinical treatment trial for my rare inherited retinal disease, um, Labor's congenital amaurosis. This week, we are going to focus in on employment barriers for individuals with blindness and visual impairment. And this arose through some personal experiences that I'm dealing with right now because of the clinical trial that I'm in and the commitment that that entails. I have been a teacher of the visually impaired for the past three years and I have loved working with my students and their families and you know I was blessed with wonderful co-workers in our vision department and just an all-around good experience in terms of of working with families and students and just the highlights of that job in, in general. I've loved advocating for my students and help, help bring awareness within the community and kind of blazing a path forward for our small little community and, you know, providing a new understanding about blindness and individuals with visual impairments working and those types of things. So I really, you know, made that a main point for when I was working as a TVI within the county. However, I did experience some different issues in terms of transportation, which transportation is a leading barrier for employment for individuals with visual impairments. It's something that we have to consider prior to accepting a job and, you know, try and determine how are we going to get from here to there. And as an itinerant TVI, which is someone who travels from school to school, that was definitely a huge concern of mine prior to accepting the position and different times throughout. So the reason why I'm bringing this barrier to the spotlight this week is because I have decided to step away from my TBI position to commit to the clinical treatment trial that I'm in, and I am currently exploring some remote options within the field. And some of the things that I am encountering is that a lot of the nonprofit organizations that are designed for the blind and visual impairment field are very much business related and you know that's not necessarily my forte. I I want to find something remote where I'm working from home and can take out that transportation barrier that I have to so often consider as a blind individual. And you know I I want to be able to contribute to the field and do those things that I felt that I loved so much about being a TVI, like, you know, being able to advocate, being able to raise awareness 
being able to educate individuals, being able to work with assistive technology like voiceover or Zoom magnification to be able to teach that to, you know, my students or potentially, you know, adults who may be newly diagnosed with something. Those are the types of positions that I, you know, I'm searching for to do remotely. And I feel, you know, I have confidence and I'm faithful that I will land um, at the right time because God works everything out. I say this often, God works everything out in his perfect timing and has his hand in everything. So I truly believe I'm going to land um, in something that I will be able to serve and be a blessing to others and contribute my gifts and talents. Um, whenever God, you know, puts me in that place and I will continue searching for that. So as I have been, you know, going through this process and, you know, trying to find where a career is going to fit in this time of my life and work out all the details of, you know, the clinical treatment trial that I'm in, um, I've been reflecting on my past work experiences, I began working when I was 16 years old. I was washing dishes at a local restaurant in my small mountain town community. And I did that for about a year. And of course, I had to have transportation with, you know, my family taking me and picking me up each shift. And I worked part time. I did that for about a year. And then I took another job at uh, Bob Evans and I was doing that for over a year and that was through uh, my senior year of high school and I wanted to be a busser because I was so scared and insecure I didn't think I would be well I didn't think I would do well enough being a waitress or a hostess and you know I didn't think I could see well enough to know when someone's coming in or to be able to run the cash register you know just all these different insecurities as someone who has a disability but yet trying to you know earn money and be a part of the workforce so after I left that job I was doing community college full-time had a full-time schedule within community college for, you know, from like eight o'clock in the morning, some days four or five o'clock. And my family also supported me in there and taking me to and from school each day. So I honestly, I, I didn't feel very independent at that point. Um, you know, I, I ended up taking another job after that at a local gym, Gold's Gym, and I was running the cash register there and panicked every time someone would want to come and buy something or wanted to tan and I had to turn on the, the tanning beds. Like I was trying to memorize everything, memorize the buttons that I push, memorize, you know, how much stuff costs, you know, so I wouldn't have to get super close to the computer or super close to the buttons to be able to you know, give the customers what they wanted at that job. So that job was kind of stressful to me too. So I bounced to another job, which was at a shoe store. It was Lady Foot Locker. And I actually worked there for about five years, but I had very similar stresses throughout that time. One was the transportation barrier. I didn't feel independent. I was grateful for the support of my family 
you know, providing me a ride to and from work. However, you know, I was 18, 19 years old at that point and was still, you know, being brought by my family to work. So, you know, there's a lot of insecurities that go along with that, as well as, you know, we worked on commission in addition to the minimum wage that we were making. So, you know, if a customer came in to our store and we sold them a pair of shoes, we would get like 1% commission. So, you know, a lot of the salespeople, because I was in sales, wanted those customers when they were coming in. Well, I really didn't care about getting those customers because I was one, so stressed out when I was running the cash register and two, so stressed out when I was going back to get the right shoe sizes because some of the shoes, I could see the big numbers on them, like Nike shoe boxes had huge numbers on them. So like I could see them, but Puma shoe boxes were super, super small. And at that point, I didn't have a smartphone that I could just take back and like zoom in with the camera of my smartphone as I do now when I can't see something. So, you know, I really did not mind at all when my co-salesperson would go and take the customers coming in. I was just happy to be there. I was always, I loved talking to the customers. I loved talking to my coworkers. I loved tidying up around the store, but there were just always so many different factors that kind of stressed me out when I was, you know, working different types of jobs. So while I was, you know, working for Lady Foot Locker for five years, on and off, because, you know, eventually I transferred to um, Frostburg State University, as, as I had mentioned in my earlier entries. And I would come home on the weekend some and work at Lady Foot Locker. I also worked on earning my personal training certification. I had mentioned, you know, in previous entries how I'm so passionate and you know, love health and fitness. That's kind of my jam. So, you know, I went ahead and and worked on getting my personal training certification, but I never ended up doing anything with it because I was so self-conscious about working with people and thinking, oh my goodness, you know, no one's going to want a blind person being their personal trainer. Like I just had very low confidence and self-esteem, you know, during those teenage years and really up until the point where I finally embraced my visual impairment and reached acceptance of it all. So I went to college at Frostburg to be a health and phys ed teacher and I went through that whole program. I did all my student teaching I was very stressed out in different situations, especially when I was doing student teaching for phys ed, because we had a lot of students in the class. Like I was doing, um, I did elementary and of course a bunch of little elementary students, like 30 kids in the class and trying to keep track of them. Like that was a little stressful, but it wasn't too bad because we co-taught like so uh, one class I would be lead and then I had my co-teacher you know would kind of be the helper and then we'd switch every other class so that wasn't too bad but then middle school like I had a really big class and I didn't have a co-teacher so 
that was challenging, especially when, you know, I was trying to teach them things like tennis, you know, things that I wasn't particularly good at because I couldn't see very well. Um, but I, you know, found little tricks and strategies to kind of make it through those student teaching opportunities. I, I taught high school level as well. And that wasn't too bad because, again, we had some co-teachers in that that type of situation. And by high school, like, I wasn't so stressed out that I was going to lose any kids like the elementary age. <laughs> so... I did pretty well during my student teaching for PE. I, I, you know, made it through. It definitely wasn't my, my favorite thing. I ended up um, really liking the health aspect and the health student teaching because it was more of a controlled environment for me where the students would come in and they'd sit in the same seats and I'd be, you know, at the whiteboard or rotating around the room. But again, I had a lot of self-consciousness uh, associated with that student teaching as well. So, you know, I graduated. We had our first son. And at that point, I was like, I, I just want to be a stay-at-home mom and take care of, you know, Lucas. And we planned on having another baby, you know, trying right away. And we ended up having him, you know, within two years of Lucas being born. So, of course, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom for him as well until he went into school. And so when the boys both got into school, I started thinking, okay, what am I going to do with these degrees? Like, what am I going to do? Am I going to go pursue a job teaching health or phys ed? And at that point, I had lost more of my vision and definitely still was not super confident in my ability to go and, you know, be a health or PE teacher because similar to the driving, I was just so concerned that like something was going to happen to a student on my watch. Like I was not looking forward to, you know, being able to supervise 30 kids at one time by myself in, in a gymnasium or outside when you take them outside to do different things. And I wasn't sure how well I would do in a classroom at that point for teaching health. So I talked myself out of that and just decided to go back to school and get my master's degree in special education because I had a, a great um, passion for special education that actually arose because of one of the classes that I took at Frostburg, which was an adaptive PE class. And we would have a motor clinic every Wednesday where students with special needs would come in and we would, you know, do different activities with them. And I just, I just truly loved it. And, and at that point, I guess that was probably 2009 or so, I was like, I'm one day going to get a master's degree in special education. So when my youngest son, Jackson, went into all day pre-K, I started pursuing my master's degree and I earned my master's degree in special education within 15 months. And after that, there was a position open with the county um, that I had my TVI role in and, and I applied to it and was offered the job. And as I said, I I did that for 
you know, three years and I learned so much. And within the first two years, I went back to school and, and received my licensure and teaching students with um, blindness and visual impairments. And I just, the highlight of that job for me were my students. Like it was such a hard decision for me to walk away from that job at this time because of the clinical treatment trial that I'm in. But I knew that because of the trial, I was going to be missing a lot of time and having to take off work. And, you know, it just, I, I just did not want to do that. I wanted to have room for someone else to come in there and serve those students as much as the selfish part of me wanted to stay and, you know, just, you know, come when I could and, you know, try and work the other out. But a big part of me was like, I know what these students need and they need consistency and they were used to consistency with me. So I ended up deciding, you know, it was definitely a hard decision, but I ended up deciding to step away from that role um, for this time period while I'm in the clinical treatment trial and explore these remote options. Um, And hopefully something will fall into place for that. Um, One of the statistics that I have read about blindness and visual impairment and employment is only about 44% of individuals with visual impairments are employed. And that is, that means that there's like 55% that are unemployed or not in, in the workforce at all. And that's, that is a really, really drastic number. And as I had mentioned before, transportation barriers are the biggest factors. I know for me as a TDI, I had a driver. I was blessed to have a driver, but it was still stressful, especially in some of my earlier years as a TBI and having a very, you know, a larger caseload and being in, you know, a lot of different schools in one day and, you know, sometimes just different things come up and things change when you're an itinerant teacher and schedules change and trying to coordinate that every time that happened with a driver, it it just, things got a little bit tricky. So that was a very stressful aspect of being an itinerant TBI. And it was one of the reasons why I was like, okay, I really want to find something remote. I want to work from home. I want to still be able to contribute to this field and do something wonderful and make a difference for individuals who are blind or visually impaired. Like I know for sure I am, you know, on the right track. I am, you know, pursuing a passion that, you know, will not ever fade, whether I have my eyes fixed or restored or whatever you want to say, like, I'm always going to have a passion to help this population of individuals because it's, it's so personal to me. I would love to see us as a society overcome these barriers and make the workforce and make our communities a more welcoming and friendly place for individuals who are blind. Because I, I know that, you know, even though I had an amazing work community and work relationships within my schools, they weren't all, 
the adults were always welcoming, but, you know, especially in some of the grades where students are getting ready to go into middle school, you know, you hear, you hear students saying things and, you know, even though, even though they're students and you're, you know, I'm an adult and I know that like they're, their kids, it's still like, it still hits you a certain way. So we still have a, a long way to go in terms of educating the community and creating a more welcoming space for those of us who are blind and visually impaired. But I feel that with all these different agencies and organizations that are available, as well as, you know, TVIs who are out there trying to make a difference and raise awareness. Um, I know that was one of my goals personally to try and blaze a path for my students coming, you know, into schools and for our community in general um, to try and educate and help people understand like that just because we're considered blind doesn't mean we can't do things. I was reading an article on LinkedIn a few weeks ago and it said that you know people who are blind and seeking employment they should be the first people who are being selected for these positions that are available because blind people are some of the most creative people that you will ever meet because they have to consistently and constantly think of different ways of achieving things that typically cited individuals are doing. So like, you know, we can do anything that a typically sighted person can do. We just have to do it a different way. And that takes creativity to think of these different ways. And I'm telling you, there are incredibly creative and amazing blind individuals who are out there in the workforce. I know I personally had incredible students who had the most beautiful and amazing little minds and they're going to grow up and do some wonderful things someday and I just hope by the time that those students are in you know the point where they are seeking employment and trying to get in the workforce I hope that it is an easier process for them I hope that they do not have to face some of these stereotypes and barriers that you know I have personally faced along the way. And, you know, that's definitely one of my goals, especially with sharing my personal journey to kind of educate and advocate for those ones coming behind. And I, I'm just, um, I'm, I'm hopeful, but as I said before, I know we have a long way to go. I'm thankful for organizations that are out there who are specifically existing to help individuals who are blind or visually impaired, you know, find employment, you know, get connected with different resources and different trainings. There are so many things out there for us to get connected to. And I just want to be able to highlight some of those things and share those things moving forward and different entries. I am so thankful that you all tuned in this week again. This is something that I'm very passionate about. And again, I am kind of in the midst of this right now as I'm seeking some 
remote employment that's a little bit more flexible um, during my clinical treatment trial. So this will likely not be the last time that, <laughs> that I talk about this. And I would love to get some of my um, connections to come on and talk about this maybe for some type of interview in the future because I have some other connections who are very passionate about this topic as well. But I truly, truly appreciate you joining and listening and just, you know, following the the show and supporting the blind community overall. I, I really pray that this touches those of you who are listening who may personally be affected by blindness or visually be visually impaired. I am so thankful that you're here. I appreciate you all. I hope you continue to shine your light into the world and keep chasing your light and know that that I am out here to encourage and support you every step of the way. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for tuning in.